Sometimes when you're driving down the road all by yourself, you begin to hear a voice that tells you you need to look around, pay attention. Maybe something isn't quite right. That voice is me. It's the voice of Gord. Welcome to another episode of Voice of Gord. A little short intro for you today. It's been a few weeks since I put out a show. Been really busy over here. Lots going on. Lots more stuff to bring you eventually if I ever get the time and get around to it. Today's show features Mr. Freedom George Billings, a fellow you would have known from the Freedom Convoy. Very enthusiastic supporter of it. He uh, also became a guest of the Trudeau regime and um, joins the show to tell us about what got him involved, what took him out to Ottawa from his home in Alberta, his, uh, his time inside and what he's been up to since. George is a real good guy, real salt of the earth, proud Canadian. It was a real pleasure to talk to him. A little warning though, uh, I got a little cranked up, it was a bit spicy. Probably swore a little more often than I normally do, so if you don't like swear words or me getting mad, uh, now's your chance to exit. Um, Also, this was recorded uh, back in January before uh, two of our friends of the Coots 4 were released. So some of the intel might be a little bit old, but uh, the predictions that George and I made in the conversation about the four men, um, most of them came true, and um, that's kind of interesting. But anyhow, hope you all enjoy the show. Uh, Thanks for listening. We live in a world that's lacking in gratitude greatly at the moment. There's just none of it anywhere, and I have to remind myself that um, in order to get some, I have to show some. So um, thank you for listening to this show. If you read my Substack or my various articles at places, thank you for your eyeball time. Uh, I appreciate that you think I have something worthy to say. Uh, anyone out there want to get back to me and tell me I'm doing something wrong or just want to say hello or have some other reason for contacting, uh, Gordylocks at ProtonMail.com. You can also subscribe to the show at AutonomousTruckers.Substack.com. And as always, uh, Best advertising for this show is word of mouth. If you don't mind sharing it with your friends, especially if they're other truck drivers, this show is for you guys. All right, let's get to it. All right, g'day, everybody. Welcome to another fine installment of the Voice of Gord podcast. Uh, as always, my guests are very special, but this guy is extra super duper awesome special. Those of you who followed the Freedom Convoy back home in Canada a couple of years ago and its aftermath would have seen a real viral video of a grizzly bear of a man walking out of a courtroom in Ottawa to a whole bunch of supporters and celebrating how awesome he is with a a great t-shirt that said, fear God, not COVID, which he is wearing to this very interview. Um, Please welcome to the show, Freedom George. 
Hey, Gord, how you doing, buddy? Thank you for having me on. It's always good to talk to people who are spreading awareness and, and the truth out there in this crazy world. Yeah, it sure is a crazy world. Um, this podcast is going to come out at some point in the three weeks of uh, Convoy second anniversary. So, you know, it's two years, it's two years on since the greatest, most peaceful uh, protest and biggest protest in Canadian history uh, took place a uh, seminal moment in uh, our nation, a time that brought hope to a lot of people after so much darkness under the venal and vindictive COVID regime of Justin Trudeau. And <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta watch what I say so my show doesn't get canceled. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, George, you were there. Um, you drove all the way from Alberta. You live in Alberta. You're also a trucker. Please yeah. tell my audience, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into trucking, how you got into the Freedom Convoy and your travels to Ottawa. I'm a Northern Alberta boy, grew up on a farm. You know, uh, my father was, uh, he come up here, they pioneered this land. It was all bush. So we weren't rich at all. Um, he's still up here pioneering in the land, you know, 60 years later. And, um, you know, I worked hard as a kid, learned how to drive tractors and stuff at a very low young age and, uh, you know, cleaning the barn and, and, you know, all that fun farm stuff. You know, I learned my worth ethic from, from that. I've always been a kind of a wild man, always living in the gray area, always pushing the rules, you know, those man-made rules. Uh, always pushing the law all the time, you know, living in living on the edge all the time, mostly in my life. I've had uh, quite a few near-death experiences, and uh, I was a I was a wild man for for quite some time. The mountain you might know. get him, but the law never will. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I've went through the alcohol, the drugs, and all that stuff, and I am a recovering addict. Um, I'm doing very well with it. It's been a very long time, and. And I'm not scared to talk about it. I like helping others. Um, it's just who I am. You know, so I'm not a very book smart guy, but I'm a very uh, street smart, common sense type person that that just cares, you know. And I, uh, I, I always knew that things were not right with the government and, and all that. And I never did vote once in my life um, until Justin Trudeau was running. That was the very first time I ever voted because I knew we were in trouble if he got in. And of course, my feelings were correct because I just, I, uh, you know, everybody always talks about the lesser of the evils. And I mean, they're all evil in, in my eyes. They're all in it together. But the conservatives were not doing what Justin Trudeau did um, when they were in power. That's just the cold hard fact of it. But if you look into how this got here, well, Harper and all that stuff, I mean, it's there. They're all in it together. There's no good guys. There's there, there's really no good guys in Canada right now. Very few, no. and they're not in power. That that's exactly it. And we need to change that somehow. I don't know how it looks, but we're gonna keep pushing forward. And you know, God always wins in the end, and good people will will come out of this. So just 2020 happened, and okay, it was 14 days to flatten the curve. I was like, okay, fine, I'll stay home on the farm for 14 days and and mind my own business, whatever, you know, I'm like, okay. And then I started looking into things. That's when I went down the rabbit hole and I started actually looking at stuff and nothing made sense. 
The biggest thing that got me when I knew it was BS is they said this virus was so bad, it's so deadly, stay at home, this and that. But yet the flights were still coming and going from every single airport across this whole country. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, something's wrong. And that's well, no, they, the that, 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 that might have been that might have been racist to cancel flights, bro. You can't you can't <laughs> you can't stop all the different people of the planet from just showing up in Canada whenever they want. That's um that's not within the government's purview, dude. We're a post-national state. We don't have an identity. Anybody can show yeah. up here no matter what they're carrying. Yeah, exactly. But we can't but we can't fly unless you get the Jimmy Jab. Right? You can't you I, I couldn't go on a plane or a train, you know? <laughs> yeah, you were you 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 were you were one of the people who had uh medical apartheid imposed on your life. Yeah, you bet. And and I knew I knew something was up with all that with all that too. There's no way they come out with, with with that BS so fast and there was no way I was putting it in my body. I didn't, I don't care. Uh, I'll I'll die before I put that stuff in there. So it's uh, but you know, into 2020s, so I go down the rabbit hole, and you know, I start waking up more, and I start seeing more and more, and I'm going wow. And then, um, how I became Freedom George, and how everything went down is I had an awakening, right here on my property outside. I've seen it, it's a story all in itself, but there's no doubt in my mind there's other powers out in out in the world. Mine is Jesus Christ and God. And it, it was just absolutely phenomenal. Like I said, it's a it's a whole nother story. But I did have a mat a, a real big awakening. And the next morning I was basically Freedom George. I was reborn and I started talking differently uh, about love and about freedom and about all this stuff. And I just knew a whole bunch of things I didn't know before. I just knew it, you know, I don't know what the heck. So I, I come up with freedom. I started screaming freedom. I started painting my face up like Mel Gibson and I got a sword and stuff where I, uh, awesome. I pulled Based. it out. I pulled, yeah, I pulled it out at the whistle stop and I ended up getting a ticket there and the cops tried to arrest me. They thought I was a crazy man. Well, lots of people thought I was going crazy, including my own family. Uh, but I was never so clear about anything in my life. You know, I actually have the first freedom truck in all of Canada. Nobody's proven it wrong. I still have the freedom on the side of my truck. I just, I started, everything had freedom on it. I started selling gear, giving gear away and stuff just to get the word freedom out there. I was at the legislature all painted up and, you know, I would grab the mic, spirit took over me and I was just yelling at people, you're all going to be screaming freedom, mark my words. This is before anybody was doing it. I said, you're all going to be doing it. It'll be hanging from windows. It'll be everywhere you look. And, you know, people thought I was losing, like completely out of my mind, but here we are today. And, oh, uh, um, the, the 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 leader people who are ahead of the curve, and who eventually become the leaders of movements, at the beginnings of things when nobody else understands what's going on, uh, th those leaders are often thought to be crazy people because other many others, most other people aren't paying attention, right? And there wasn't many awake then. It was really, it was discouraging too because I I second guessed myself many times. Like, am I doing the right thing here? Am I really going crazy? And I've got pictures. Uh, I, I prayed for signs, and I have pictures that will blow your mind on my phone after I asked for signs, and I got them. So I just kept pushing forward, and, and you know, that's it. And uh, 2021, uh, going back to that, I woke up crying one morning. 
And I, I was like, what, what's wrong with me? I was, I was like a little baby. And so I prayed and I did my thing and I opened up my phone and there was Pat King on his way to the legislature in Edmonton with a whole bunch of paperwork, evidence and stuff. And he was going there to occupy it for, for uh, 20 some days. And they have to look at this paperwork or whatever. Right. And I'm like, Holy man, there it is. And I had only seen Pat King at some uh, events. We didn't really know each other. Actually, when he seen me at the whistle stop, all painted up like the old, the old grandpa off of uh, Braveheart. He said, who is this crazy guy, man? He's lost his mind. Like he didn't want to have nothing to do with me. <laughs> wow. That's uh that's quite a statement coming from Mr. King. Yeah, he's like, wow, but I mean, that was at the beginning, right? And uh, I'm walking around with a real sword, and that picture went viral across across Earth. You know, it, uh, everybody was it, it, kind of like that guy in the in the states there with the with the hat on and, and all painted up and stuff like that. You know, so there was memes made about me and that. And, but anyway, so I just I knew that was it. That's why I was having some sort of an episode, and I'm like, there it is. And I was like, I gotta go. So I packed up the truck, camping gear, tents, and whatever I could take, barbecues and, and everything. And I had I went and see my my dad and my brother. And I said, Listen, I gotta go. Can you take care of my take care of my place? Take care of my dog. He's like, What are you doing? I said, I gotta go to the city. I said, You'll understand later. And we went, you know, at first they wouldn't let us do anything. We tried to set up camp there. I was always al allowed at the rallies to set up my uh my freedom tent and sell my gear and and do speeches and, and all that stuff and get the freedom word out there. And uh, they didn't give me any hassle, but I showed up there this time with Pat King. And no, I wasn't allowed to set that tent up anymore. <laughs> they, was, they weren't having it, you know? So we tried and tried and tried, and they just kept, just kept uh, blocking us and coming up with new rules and, oh, go get a permit, go get a permit. Oh no, we're not going to give you a permit. And just giving us the runaround. So Eventually, some Native people come there, and uh, we ended up bringing Grandma Nancy, a clan mother. They approached us because we were going every day, no matter what. We were there on the ledge. People were coming down. We didn't stop going for the first week. And then the second week, we ended up bringing Grandma Nancy and her teepee. Right. And, and when you say, I, I hate to interrupt you, George, there's a, that's okay. a, a lot of Americans and international listeners who won't know what you mean by the ledge. That's uh that's Edmund oh. that's Edmonton and Alberta slang for the Alberta legislature. Yeah. You're not exactly. actually that's our... you're not actually standing on a ledge like you're gonna fall off. <laughs> Sometimes it seems that way though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the legislature building, right? So and Pat had a whole bunch of evidence and he had put liens on a bunch of stuff. A, a lawyer had put a bunch of liens on a bunch of these COVID incentives that uh that companies took. To push the COVID incentive, he had all he had it all, and we wanted Jason Kenny at the time to come and speak with us. We we wanted answers, right? And he never they never did come, but we ended up with five teepees and a huge camp right on the leg legislature grounds. We were doing ceremonies, doing healing. People were coming down. We had huge rallies on the weekends. Um, I got pictures of of what was going on in the skies with the northern lights, even while we were doing ceremonies. It, it was just it was very very powerful very spiritual and and of course on the day 22 they come in that that morning we're sleeping in the tp and all of a sudden it was just daylight at like five in the morning and uh i opened up the tp door and there was just cops everywhere and they had set up huge light towers and everything and turned them on right and 
and they were just surrounded, and they ended up dragging us all off the legislature. Uh, they saved the TPs for last, and they come in there, and I always carry a knife on my hip. You know, I'm a farm boy, so I always had my knife, and I was actually, they were tearing everything down, and I was tired. I was having a nap in my TP, and, and the cops come in, and uh, they just come right in there, and of course, my natural reaction is to grab for my knife, and that cop just grab me. You're not going to need that. Let's go. <laughs> oh, wow. And, uh, you know, they, they just drug us off. They took the teepee down while Grandma Nancy was sitting inside there. She had um, she had evidence and stuff, too, there. It's a long story, but, um, you know, we tried. That was that was, that was was my first big event, and it was pretty crazy. And that's, um, you know, I started getting much more popular at that moment, uh, standing up against the tyranny and, and, and doing whatever we could, you know, speaking the truth. And, and trying to bring everybody together at the same time. There's so much divide. You know, even in the races themselves, there's divide within within certain races. Well, all races, but it's uh, it's just hard. No, well, not everybody agrees about everything, and that's fine. But there's got to be some sort of basic basic conditions upon which we all agree in order for society to function. And um, a couple yeah. of those conditions were uh, pushed to their limits under the COVID regime. Uh, if you're in Canada, your charter rights to association, travel, and many other things were abrogated in the name of a virus that if you were under the age of 60 and had no comorbidities, you were almost guaranteed to survive if you got it. So it was, um, yeah. you know, instead of focusing their concern on the people that needed to watch out for themselves and make sure they had everything in place for those people they went overboard and effectively shut society down and um, in the process poured acid over all kinds of social bonds that take decades um, to build up um, communities ripped asunder and uh, you know, Trudeau and the gang basically stabbed Canada in the heart, which um, brings us to uh, freedom convoy um, January, yeah. 2022 um, seems like you're a natural candidate to join up and head to Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, you bet. And, you know, I uh, I became a trucker after they shut down the mill that I was working at up here uh, 2005, I believe it was. So I'd already been, I've been a trucker for quite some time working in the oil field mostly. And then that, the freedom convoy come up. And of course I was really, really like best friends with Pat King at this point. Now we hit it right off once we uh, got together at the legislature and uh, he's my best friend now. And, uh, well, we can't talk, though, still to this day. He's not allowed to talk to me, by the way. So, um, Really? So is that is that one of his conditions for being out? Yeah, you bet. Not allowed to talk to me, yeah. When, when are those going to be raised? Uh, what's what, what what's the deal with Mr. King's uh, legal proceedings? I believe now it's in May. It was supposed to be in November, but uh, he pushed it back himself because, of course, the the, the – the justice system, they play those games. And right before, you know, the month, beginning of November, they come and dump a whole bunch more stuff on them. Oh, of course. Right? That's their stalling tactic. Yeah. They don't do disclosure until the last possible minute to give themselves yeah. the advantage. That's right. So they did that to him. So he had no choice but to push it back. So it's in May now. Um, he's been on house arrest at 10 o'clock. He's got to be home and they check up on him. They basically harass him. And all Not of the, and, to talk to me. And, and all of this is because Mr. King 
has some opinions that are not shared by the majority from what I understand. Yeah, and they're they're saying he was a convoy leader. Uh he he helped out getting the convoy across. He was a very big part in it. And so was I. We were at the front most of the time from Alberta. Um and he had his platform right, which uh without him it wouldn't have happened the way that it happened. I think he's got three hundred and eighty thousand followers or three something like that. Over three thousand, three hundred thousand followers. So it really got big online, and then that's where uh, I had just started hauling logs. I just got a new job for the winter, and I think I worked like one week. And then that that convoy come up, and Pat's like, "Man, I need you. You gotta come. You gotta come." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, all right, we're going." <laughs> and I didn't take a big truck. I actually took my freedom truck, my pickup, which come in very handy over there. Right. Um, yep. There's pictures of it all over the place. I just helped. We had radios. I was leapfrogging all over the place, going across the country, helping people out. I had tools and, and whatnot and, you know, and just doing what I had to do. I'd race ahead in the convoy to go clear out the areas where we were going to be stopping and or go and check and see what the cops were doing up there. Just all kinds of I was I was busy. It was very, very tiring. People don't realize how hard we actually worked during those three weeks you know oh yeah no um, the, the logistics of getting thousands of people across the country in one cohesive unit you know that's like that's like moving the military around that's a big deal and then maintaining uh maintaining trucks keeping everybody fed you know just dealing with everything uh that went down in ottawa you know one of the, one of the things that like the, the media and the and the city of Ottawa and the government were all surprised by, I remember from the coverage was like, how is it like these people are all able to be here? Like smarter people amongst the cops and the government were like, this is a pretty well-oiled machine. Well, yeah, we're truckers. We do logistics. This is our job is like making stuff happen, moving things around, making sure equipment is maintained, getting it done. Like you could, you couldn't have picked like a better group of people to try and pull off a protest like this because they're actually competent people that get shit done. Yeah, exactly. Common sense people, really, that can that that have grown up working, that have, have you know they they're not reading books. They're they're doing they are, but they they're doing stuff with their hands and their minds, and they're actually out there doing things so they can solve problems and and fix things and. And well, like you know you what said, it is. The they're not. Of it. They're, they're not theory cells like maybe some of our antagonists in Trantifa or various social justice movements, where all of those people, for the most part, are pretty well pampered. Never had to work mm. too hard for a living. Never had to break a sweat. Uh, very little contact with you know the blue collar world of actually making material reality function. Um, yeah. So yeah, whereas those folks. They're pretty well disorganized. Um, the only reason that they, they exist is, um, you know, they they have the backing of the regime, right? Like Trudeau and all the rest of these governments around the world have all been infected with a certain particular mind virus. So when, you know, uh, groups like Antifa or BLM have protests, you know, they can burn cities down and destroy shit and nothing ever happens. The media doesn't say anything about it. You know, oh, it's for social justice. But like, you know, you guys show up in Ottawa are totally peaceful, but because you're not, you're outside power, you're not 
a designated client group of the regime, you are to be attacked, you are to be smeared, you are to be punished two years later still for daring to question the government, right? Because like, you know, protest is actually a chimera. It doesn't actually exist. If they don't want it to, if they want to smear you, if they want you to be dealt with, they'll just do it, right? And I mean, we see that all around us. Look what happened to your buddy, Pat, you know? I might not agree with some things Pat says, but like they're making his life hell now. Um, Chris and Tamara still in um, process in Ottawa. Harold Jonker, Guy Meisner, this woman named Christine DeCare, acquitted of all charges involved from being in Ottawa. They're dragging her back to court. They're appealing her acquittal. Like they're just punishing these guys and the, and the four boys from Coots, you know? Like this, yeah. The freedom the convoy is part, not the freedom convoy is not over. The worst part about it is they're using our money that they tax us <laughs> the, the, to pay these people to do this. <laughs> you know, like we got to think about that, and and they're they're literally taking our money and they're using it against us to kill us and beat us up and throw us in jail and, and break us, right? Like they're dragging us through these systems where where you're paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and nothing's happening and they're putting it off. It, it's absolutely disgusting. Our justice system is corrupt. It, it, it's horrible. And we're seeing that with the Coots 4 that are still in jail 700 and some days now. 706 or 707, I'm not sure. You know, no bail, no no trial, no nothing. They're 100% Trudeau political prisoners and there's no doubt in my mind that he's got his hand all over that. We've seen what happened in the bail hearing, Chris. You know, it, it's we're fighting a, a very powerful, very rich entity, unelected, unelected entity, by the way, because Trudeau is just a puppet. He's doing what he's told to do. Right. You know? Well, I mean, and even if you do factor in the election, like I think in the 2021 election, he called, which burned through $600 million to not change very much from the previous election, only a small number of seats changed hands. And he remained in a minority government. Only, I think it was 57 or 58 percent of eligible voters voted. And he only got like 30 or 31 percent of the vote. And because of the way parliaments cracked out and because of the NDP and the conservative seats and whatever, if not for Jagmeet Singh, uh, Trudeau probably would have got like he probably would have got confidence motioned out by the conservatives in the block by now, but without that deal with sit with, yeah, he's still got that deal with Singh. So we're still suffering under him. Yeah. hundred percent. And even with, uh, with the block now too, right. We've seen it like they're, they're all in it together over there. It, you, know what's it, funny really about, you know, what's funny about the block Quebecois, right? So, you know, your friend Pat has been accused of wrong think and holding distasteful opinions, whatever. I got nothing to say about it. I've never listened to the guy, never met him, you know, and, you know, according to Tamara and BJ and all that, they asked him to stand down and he wasn't really part of the management in Ottawa. Fine, whatever. But the bigger point here is that the Bloc Québécois during, you know, they are, they are secularists, right? And they are against uh, immigrants moving to Quebec and displaying their religious paraphernalia. They want everybody to be French and to accept Quebec culture. So they are yeah. the they are the Bloc Québécois are the xenophobic nationalists that the left is always complaining about. 
Yet, in the 2019 election, they came back from the dead. They only had like four seats, and now they've got 20-something seats in Parliament because the media basically ignored their platform and attacked Maxime Bernier and the PPC and called them Nazis because Bernier said 150,000 immigrants a year, same as when Trudeau got elected in 2015. That was his policy. We can't increase these numbers because the, the country can't stand it. The media, right. the media tried to destroy Maxime Bernier, called him a racist and a Nazi and all this crap. Meanwhile, the Bloc Québécois, who have legitimate ethnic policies in their platform about maintaining Quebec culture, <coughs> forcing people to only speak French, not allowing Muslims to wear headscarves, all this stuff, they come back from the dead. Gee, yeah. double standard much? Yeah, hundred percent double standards everywhere. They all talk out this, both sides of their mouths. <laughs> oh, dude! You know, it's uh, it's disgusting. We can talk politics forever. It's just I don't even really much bother because I know they're all corrupt and I know they're all in it together. I I really do. So it's like we got to change the system. And right. I would like to see. I would like a a system where where we get to vote on the bills that they're trying to pass, not the house. You you want you want to pass a bill? Okay, make your make your bill, and then put the vote out to the public. Yeah, that's a, I think that. they, I think I think they call that a plebiscite. <laughs> yeah, they're afraid of that. That's yeah. actual democracy. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they don't want democracy. <laughs> they, they 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 can't have that. So speaking about no. democracy and plebiscites and bills and politics, obviously you were in the nation's capital in Ottawa. Um, yeah. Epic journey across the country with all those people. Um, you get to Ottawa. Uh, tell us about your experience in Ottawa and then like what led to uh, your legal troubles. So it was a very, very good experience. It was, it was uh, very heartwarming. It was very uplifting and it was very busy for us. Like we didn't stop. Uh, basically um, lots of people obviously looked up to us and stuff like that. And I know that Tamara and them had asked uh, Pat to, st to step back in when we got to Ontario kind of thing. Pat was getting some death threats at the time and uh, he confided in just talking to them. And that's when they kind of, like, you know, there's a, there's an another part of the story to all that. But anyways, um, so we, we ended up uh, down there helping out as many people. We are taking donations and stuff. And, you know, I got live video of me dishing out cash to the truckers and, and helping people out and everything. Thanks for the donations, everyone that got through to me. And it was just, uh, it was really busy and very uplifting and very cold. It was very, it was pretty cold, but we we're Canadian and we just kept pushing forward. So, you know, we would, every day we would be somewhere different. You know, we'd be at the Coventry camp, helping out there, seeing what's going on, doing live videos. What do you need? What do you need for help? You know, and, and then we'd be over at the, I think it's Sir Jay McDonald. I think it was one of the stops, Jay McDonald. I believe that's where it was. There was a camp there as well because they blocked the road and people got stuck there. So we were there and we were on the streets and we were all over and on, and doing interviews. People wanted interviews and stuff like that. And um, there's more, I, since Pat still has trial, there's there's a lot more I'd like to say, but I, I just can't right now. It'll yeah, no, later. no, just fair wait, enough, man. Wait, don't, don't get yourself wait, wait. in any more trouble. Don't get Pat yeah. in any more trouble. I get it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like we did lots of stuff off the off the cameras, right? But um, 
when it was all going down. Okay, my dog, get out of here. Go on, get, get, get. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No problem. Uh, um, so when it was all going down and we knew the cops were coming pretty soon, uh, it was we had caught wind that they were at, in a certain area. They were the cops were congregating, and it was called the Infinity Center. So we went to the Infinity Center, and oh my goodness, we found them. And this was a couple days before they actually come out that Friday. I believe it was the Wednesday, Wednesday night, or it was third. Okay, it was Thursday. But anyways, so me and Pat drive in the parking lot in my Freedom truck, and we're we didn't have no video going. And we we're like, oh my lord, look at all these vans and buses and different cop cars and vehicles and and this and that. And we're we're driving around in the parking lot, and an unmarked car with two guys in it, and they're both bald headed kind of cop looking people and they just drove up and just cut us off and and they're like hey you can't be in here and i said oh sorry we're just lost and the cops said whatever freedom get out of here <laughs> <laughs> so so we drove out hit we drove out we went and regrouped and we come back that night and it's all on video we stayed there all night long and we were up quite a few nights all night long but i can't speak of a lot of that stuff we were doing but um that night we watched the buses pull up and they were just full of cops and they were all getting off and they were all walking in there with all their gear into there. And we're like, Oh my Lord. So we're like, Hey, what do we do? Like everyone is sleeping. Like, are they coming this morning or are, are, are they coming right now? We know they're coming, but when, and I'm like, okay. So, and it was my decision. Um, people got mad at us for, for, for my decision and started going after Pat, but basically do we go and wake everybody up and tell them and they're going to be mad if, if, if it doesn't happen or we don't tell anybody and we don't wake anybody up and then they do come and they're going to be even madder at us for not telling them. So I made the call. I said, we got to go down and warn people. So that morning we, the sun was coming up and we were honking horns and we were getting on the radios. And we were waking everybody up. Cops are coming. Possibly they're here. We went and found them, you know, and people got up and, um, they didn't come that day, but they did come the next morning. And that's where it started the next morning. And I was right on the front lines there the whole time. Uh, very, yeah, my, very tired, very cold. Yeah, my buddy Tim. So I've got a real good, you know, I got I got a business associate from Alberta. He's from down around uh, Brooks, Rolling Hills, neck of the woods. And um, he came out with his tractor. He got Kenworth W900 and his buddy Clifford's uh, triaxle walking floor like chip trailer. Yeah. And they've got stickers and decals and painting and all these messages all over it. And then he sat right on Wellington Street and everyone signed it and it was beautiful. And Tim had such a great time. I went and talked to him a couple times. My friends went and talked to him a couple times. I got him an interview. Uh, on this uh, TV, uh, this like internet magazine in the UK called Unheard. And anyway, when he heard about the Emergencies Act coming down, he sort of knew that they were going to start seizing stuff. And mm -hmm. his issue was like, he didn't want Clifford to lose his trailer. He didn't want, because he's like, yeah, it's my truck. That's my responsibility. But the trailer's Clifford's. And uh, I can't, we can't have the cops seizing it. So like, I got to get out of here. So I think on the uh, early, early morning of the 14th, before they actually declared the Emergencies Act, uh, 
he like backed his truck and trailer out somehow got all twisted around and left and drove straight from Ottawa all the way back to Alberta nonstop and yeah. uh, escaped, escaped the crackdown. Yeah, you bet. And you know, the, the truth is coming out about that emergency act and, and, and how it was invoked and what they did to the Coots boys. Right. And that's how, that's how they did it. That's how they justified actually doing it. And uh, big, big story about all that. But, uh, you know, they were they were coming and we were pushing back and we were holding our ground. They only made it half a block that first day. That's it, because we had the numbers down there. But that's when they really started blocking it off and calling it the red zone, right? So they weren't letting people in. Now, they made it up to the Rideau, and that's as far as they wanted to go. That's when they ran everybody over, uh, people with horses and stuff. I've seen it with my own eyes. I'm very good friends with Candace, actually. I was before she even got ran over. I actually was the one who got her back to her car after we got her up off the ground. And uh, and that's how they pushed us back far enough. Now, as soon as they got to that Rideau entrance, that's where they stopped that night. And they put up a fence across there, and they only had about a dozen cops guarding that. And the rest of them were inside eating and drinking. And I watched the videos that come out of there. They were laughing at us and saying all kinds of shit. A lot of them enjoyed what they were doing. To their own citizens, you know, uh, the videos that I watched after were were very heartbreaking that these cops from across the country and I even seen them from B.C. over there. And, yeah, you know, I heard I heard, like I, heard I, I heard that they actually changed them out like a bunch of cops that were there at the beginning of Freedom Convoy um, that were hanging around for the first week or two in Ottawa they actually got moved out because those cops had become friendly with all the truckers, with the block captains, with all the people that were there dug in. The police realized that like everybody was totally peaceful. There was like multiple yeah. food tents. Everyone was getting fed, you know, techno parties at night, hockey games. There was like zero bad things going on. Crime went down in Ottawa you know, more there was more fun going on in downtown Ottawa than they'd ever seen. And a lot of the cops were like simpatico with this. And Trudeau and the RCMP and the higher ups all knew this. And so they had to change the cops out and get new ones in who had no compunction about cracking skulls, right? They like had to bring in the psychopaths. Yeah. And they also got paid, right? There, there's actually that one video of the one cop bragging about him uh, paying for his pool. Yes, I saw Thanks that. Yep. Yeah, with, with overtime, right? So they got paid very well to come and do what they did. And, you know, the devil's going to catch up with them. I mean, God's going to catch up with them. They already got the devil. And they have time to get right with the Lord. They do have time. Yeah, but, and that's they, they need to start sticking up for the citizens and, and honoring that oath, even though it is an oath to the crown which we don't agree with either, but <laughs> um, like yeah, how this, they need to understand that they're just being used. And when this reset comes down, this, and, and this uh, um, uh, digital ID and, and digital money and all this stuff, they're not hiding from that. I mean, they're being used right now and then they're going to get it too. Right? Like, like, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen here, guys and girls? You need to stand up with us. You need to stand up with the people. And so the first, the, that was the first night they pushed the first day. 
Now, the second day, I knew that early in the morning, I was telling everybody, I said, tomorrow morning, I said, we got to have everyone down here, like, get back in here, because this is when they're going to make a big move, right, before, and of course, they did. They made huge ground really fast, right early in the morning, because the numbers weren't down there, the people couldn't get back in, because the roads were all blocked off everywhere, and of course, they're blaming us for the, the, the traffic delays and the roads being blocked off, but it was actually them right of course they spin it like it was us causing all that problems but it was them yeah you guys didn't put up all those concrete barricades no exactly yeah and then so the second night the second day was was hard i i was kicking tear gas back at them and all kinds of jazz they were just going nuts on us man they shot the one reporter there in the leg with tear gas and they were beating people with the butts of their guns and like, it got right crazy, and then their batons. Like, it's all on video. People have seen it. And um, we got to a point there where everybody was kind of pretty much gone, and I was completely frozen, soaking wet, tired. So I got somebody to get me back into Gatineau. I said, I got to get some food. I need to get some sleep. I was like, I can't go anymore. So I got back into Gatineau, which took a, quite a while to get into. And uh, a four-hour sleep. I wake up, I look at my phone, there's still people downtown fighting, pushing, and I'm like, so I run downstairs, take me back in there, take me back in there. They're like, no, George, no, 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 you're going to get arrested, don't go back in there. I said, well, then I'm walking. Shit, and I went and got dressed, and like, okay, we'll take you in. And it was actually uh, Pat's girlfriend's brother. Um, it was his vehicle. So we get back across the bridge, he's taking me back in, and I start up my live video. Well, it wasn't two minutes after I started that live video. This black unmarked car pulls up beside me, us, looks at me, sees it's me, pulls in behind or pulls right in front of us, cuts us off, and then another car come in and blocked us in. And that's when they arrested me. Uh, they didn't read me my rights or nothing. They, pulled, they I got out. It's all on video, too. Uh, a lot of it's recording because they put my phone down on the uh, on the truck, but it was still live and uh i asked him why i was being arrested and or oh, mischief he said oh like for what we don't know just mischief and that's where that's that's why i went to jail it seems like they took me there you know it's for people that aren't in canada you know mischief sounds like that doesn't sound like much of a charge you know and it and, and the term just means like you're up to no good it's sort of like a general term it's not really well defined but in canada if you get convicted of it and the crown wants to, the maximum penalty for that is 10 years in prison. Yep. The problem with mischief is they can put, uh, it's like an umbrella. They can put whatever they want under it. So they're using it nonstop now up here. Yeah. They don't. And then as, as you're in your trial or your, your thing or whatever, they can add more to it. Right. And so, yeah, mischief. I go, I go to the cop station there. I get uh, I get drag dragged into a, uh, a an interrogation room where I didn't even hold back. They pulled me in there, and the guy's trying to. And I just said, "Listen, you can't stop what's coming." I said, "In the end of this, God wins." And I'm like, "Just tell it." I'm like, "I didn't even care." And I'm like, "Whatever, I'm in jail now." And uh, so they ended up using that. Tried to use well, they did use it in my bail hearing. Uh, that that recording of me with what I was saying. You know, and, and and how passionate I was about about everything that was happening and, and, and going down. So from there, I went to OCDC in Edmonton. 
Ottawa Carlton Detention Center. And uh, they put me into a quarantine pod. And now a pod is like, basically in the jails, they've come up with a circular system with the uh, control center in the middle. And then you got A pod, B pod, C pod all around. Yeah, the, that's the pods, original. That's the original. That's where the term pa uh, panopticon comes from. Because mm -hmm. the people in the middle can see everybody. That, that was originally designed by this like English dude. It's this old English prison design. It's been around forever. And that's what they mean by Panopticon. They can see everybody at all times. That's right. And so I get put in into a cell in there. And I had to quarantine for... Uh, they didn't let me out for days. It was like 13 days or something. For, they were still going with their quarantine BS. And it was really shitty. You're just in that cell. You can't get out or nothing. And so they wanted to, in order for me to get out of that cell, they wanted me to take that swab up my nose. So they come to my door and they wanted me to take that swab and I wouldn't do it. I would, I wasn't having it. So they're like, okay, well, you're staying in here then. And I'm like, fine, whatever. Bring me some pencils and stuff. And I had freedom written on every single brick on that cell, 75 freedoms down one side of the door frame it was all around the door frame the mirrors the beds the ceiling everywhere i had freedom i had a seven foot cross a three foot cross and a two foot cross big crosses on the walls and uh they were finally gonna move me uh because i wouldn't take the test and whatever they, they're gonna move you to a uh a dorm so they come there and uh the guard opens the door and he goes holy says and i just looked at him freedom <laughs> <laughs> and he goes i'm so fucking sick i hear freedom and i said well let me out then because <laughs> i had people rattling the freaking doors and everything because everybody knew me from the news right they're like yeah hey, the guy they were all screaming freedom in the jail had them all riled up in there <laughs> awesome oh man that's that's so based yeah. good for you brother yeah. so, so they take me to a dorm and i, I was only in there for about a week and I get because they wanted me to fight inside that dorm and I wouldn't do it because it's like it's like uh, 28 bunk beds, basically. Well, 28 people can sleep in the dorm. So you got 14 bunk beds or whatever. You know what I mean? And it's like a uh, real political, you know, you got you got the people at the top and and they're the ones in charge. And you got to give so much this food to the cleaners and, and this and that. And they wanted me to fight and I wouldn't do it. So the one guy there, second in charge, he he kind of come at me and kick me out. And what you do is you go wrap on the window, right? Pack up your 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 bag, which is your sheet. And whatever food and whatever other knickknacks you got from in jail, your paper, your pens and whatever. And they go bang on the window. So I banged on the window. They're kicking me out. And the first thing out of that guard's mouth, when I got out there, he goes, why didn't you fight? You're a big guy. And I just looked at him and I said, that's exactly what you guys want. <laughs> he said, no, it's not happening. So they stuffed me in another room for a while till they found me a place. And then they took me back to a pod, which was a different one, and threw me in a cell that already had two people in it. So I had a mattress on the floor beside the toilet. There's yeah, that's been um that's been happening to some of the Coots guys. I was speaking mm -hmm. um I, I, I was speaking with one of their advocates here recently. And um when they get moved around, sometimes the preparations and logistics for the prisoners are uh not up to snuff. And yeah. uh one one of the boys was stuck in one of these rooms, just like you said, 
uh, one bunk bed for two guys and he was the third guy and they put him in there. So he's on the floor. And the one other guy in there was like going through withdrawal and sick and puking all over the place. So this poor bastard who no bail, no trial political prisoner is stuck in there with real criminals and drug addicts that are going through withdrawal and puking all over the place. And he's basically got to sleep next to a toilet. That's yeah. how that's that's your punishment from Trudeau here. Here, you want to you want to peacefully protest and demand redress from the government as is your right under the charter? Fuck you. Sleep with a guy puking. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's fucking uh, it's fuck Justin sad. fuck Justin Trudeau. Yeah, fuck that guy. Fucking <laughs> cocksucker. Yeah, he's a real piece of work, that's for sure. But again, he's just doing what he's told. Right, these we we don't elect them; they get selected. The, the elections to me don't mean nothing. Your vote don't count. The, those people are groomed and put into place by them, by the elites and uh, the unelected uh, entities out there, like the WEF and the WHO and 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 the rest of them crazy wacko people that want to decarb. We're we're the carbon, by the way, people. Yeah. We're the carbon that they want to get rid of. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how old you are, George. But when I was younger, so I'm I'm gonna be. 45 probably when this podcast comes out my birthday is february 13th so when they started i was celebrating my 43rd birthday when they started cracking skulls and coots so uh when i was growing up in the 19 late 1990s you know you had the uh world trade organization and the imf and the battle in seattle and uh everybody on the left was against foreign globalist organizations, foreign banksters, the Americans, whoever, interfering in other people's business, interfering in the sovereignty of unique nation states, right? The left was against that vociferously. I was with them. I went to anti-Iraq war protests in 2002 and 2003, right? Like, I've been the same ever since. Now, in 2024... The left is for all of this stuff, right? I mean, not all of them. They're not a monolith. There's some good leftists out there. I know quite a few of them, actually. But for the most part, the leftists that are in control are now for uh, international, transnational, unaccountable, unelected uh, corporate bureaucrats who are going to dictate to the rest of the world how things are going to be, right? And now if you protest that, you just get dismissed as a conspiracy thinking right winger. I haven't changed. Yeah. I've always been against that shit. Right? I didn't change. And, uh, they changed. And you should be. And you should be against that stuff. Right? Like yeah. they they caused those wars. They go over there. Now I heard that Iraqi war was because they actually the the reason for it was was not only oil, but was for a bunch of ancient artifacts. That I, I oh, that's uh, a, that's dug a, that's that up. A, that that's a new yeah. one. I I haven't heard about that. So yeah, okay. Yeah, so uh, but, but the thing is, the thing is, is that you gotta understand that they these people, the they fund both sides of it. They want it to destabilize these places and steal their natural resources and 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 kill them. Right. Yeah. It's it's hedging yeah. their bets for sure. Yeah. So all right. So you're you're still in jail. Did you yeah. get did you get charged with anything else besides mischief? Uh, there was like 10 charges, counseling mischief. They're all mischief charges. There's 10 of them. And wow. they, then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden they co-accused Pat and I with them. And we didn't understand what that was all about, but we had no, we had no contact. Anyways, we were both in different spots. 
And then a month in, it was about eight eight in the morning. My door opens up. You 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 were you were in jail for a month. Uh, actually, four months. No <laughs> so, shit. A, a month a month uh, at OCDC. So that's where I'm going with this. So they uh they opened my door and they said, "Pack your stuff. You're being moved." And I said, "What?" I was like, "To where? You're leaving. Pack your stuff." And I'm like, "What in the heck is going on?" So I literally had to go down and go through the whole process of being discharged from the jail. And what was running through my head was not good. I'm like, oh, this is it. They're going to make me fucking disappear. They're going to, like, uh, like, what's going on here? And so I went through it, and they threw me in this this uh, meat wagon there, you know, and uh, with the little holes on the sides, and drove me to Napanee. Napanee is home of the Quinty Detention Center. There was another jail. They were moving me. For whatever reason, I don't know, but thank God. Because I gained a lot of weight in there. I got in there, and it was one of the two jails still in Ontario that have home-cooked meals. They got their own kitchen. So you got full-on meals, like, like then desserts and everything. So it was actually God sent me there, I believe. I thought, you know, so I did three months in there. And now I learned a lot about jail. I learned how to make alcohol out of the products that they give you. Um, I learned all about meth and opioids and stuff like that because that's the real pandemic in those jails and the people that are coming in, the stories that they have, the scabs they have all over their bodies. And like, wow, I ended up getting a cross tattooed on my arm, learned how to do uh, jailhouse tats. And, you know, I never stopped working in there. I changed quite a few people's lives, actually. But the story that inside the Quinty Detention Center that stands out the most to me is I was I was talking to all of them about these shots and how bad they were and stuff, right? And all of a sudden, one morning, they come to the cage. Anybody want their booster? Anybody want their booster? <laughs> and, and this guy beside me jumps up out of bed. I'll get my booster. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, haven't you been listening to anything that I've been saying? He was like, well, I already got my first two shots, he says. And I was like, okay. Whatever. So he goes and gets his booster. They go across the, the across the hallway, which was the girls' dorm with, with the needles. The next day, this guy wakes up and he's completely covered in a rash from head to toe. And about the same time, 10 minutes after that, all of a sudden, all the all the paramedics and the guards are rushing to the girls' dorm. And they come wheeling a girl out having convulsions and seizures in a wheelchair. And I looked and I just yelled at all of them. See? What did I tell you? Holy <laughs> like, shit. Right in front of their eyes. And that was it. I think everybody in that range that I was on was never going to get another one of those shots again in their life. They watched it with in real time. You know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it was... Uh, 116 days, you know, and they jerked me around too. I ended up getting a good expensive lawyer from Alberta, which ended up costing me 30 grand in lawyer fees. Thank thank God for my mom who took care of all my bills and child support and everything while I was gone. You know, I ended up with a $50,000 bill when I got out of jail. And uh, they run you through the ringer in your bail hearings and stuff. They weren't going to let me out. Trudeau brought out a, a Hackett was her name. And uh, she's a liberal appointed judge. 
She was in semi-retire semi-retirement, but Trudeau brought her out just for me. And uh, you know, they were never letting me out. So I my lawyer basically out of all the charges, uh, all ten of them, he goes, Listen, he said they got you on one mischief charge because the truckers asked me to do a live to honk the horns for seven minutes while they did a march around the, the Jericho march around the building seven times. So at 1 p.m. in the afternoon, we're going to honk the horns for seven minutes in honor of the Jericho march. Well, that's when that injunction was in. Right? They put that noise injunction in so we couldn't honk our horns anymore. So they had me on that right on video inciting uh, inciting mischief. So my lawyer said, listen, I could probably beat all these, but this one I might not beat. Um, do you really want to pay me over $100,000 and have weeks of trial, lose your social media, be on lockdown at home with your, with your surety, not be able to do anything? Or do you want to take a mischief charge and walk out? I said sold. I'll take the mischief charge. Yeah, well so the thing is is this is this is one of the like this is one of the really pernicious aspects of the practice of lawfare, right? They throw all these charges at you. Most of them are spurious and even the ones that are like possibly within the realm of being legit aren't really legit because it's over something fucking stupid like honking your horn, right? And so you're you're actually a victim of this um, this Ottawa Citizens Coalition who are also trying to sue the Freedom Convoy for $400 million in a civil suit because the woman who's the lead plaintiff on this is this uh, this Zexy Lee, this, like, what, 24, 25-year-old civil servant, uh, fucking diversity hire, never worked a day in her life, never had to sweat for nothing, privileged piece of shit, and she's the one that in, uh, managed to get that... Uh, honking injunction against you guys right and so now yep. they're at they're at it again to try and draw blood from a stone you know i mean this 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 paints a picture of the class dimensions of this crap right like here are regular yep. hard-working canadian people the guys out in the bush all winter in alberta working weeks and months straight until spring thaw fighting the elements just to try and earn their living so these pampered privileged pieces of shit like Zexy Lee can sit in the fucking heat of her apartment in Ottawa and oh no people want their freedom and their bodily sovereignty we can't have that fucking fuck her too man I've been swearing a lot I, yeah. I usually don't swear but I, I'm, I've been working on some stuff and I've been talking to a lot of people and finding more and more people who are still being punished like that's all yep. I've been doing for the last couple of weeks is just discovering all these new cases. And I'm just, yeah, I'm, I've fucking had enough, man. I'm furious about this shit. The government's literally declared class war on the freedom convoy and they're attacking you guys. And it's being led by the worst, most pampered privileged fucking laptop class email job assholes on planet earth. Fuck all of them. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is, like these people, they're against pipelines or or they're against oil and gas. You know, well, okay, well, go shut your go shut your gas line off to your house then. No more furnace for you. No more hot water tank for you. Like, where do you think this stuff comes from? Right? They they they're they're clueless. They're brainwashed and and you know they're they're just they're just out there. 
They a lot of them don't even know where their food comes from. Crying out loud! No, you know you where know? it comes from. Do you know? Do you know where most of their food comes from? California, Mexico, off of boats overseas, and they came in refrigerated yeah. containers or some other way. And then guess who brought it to the Ontario Produce Terminal or the fucking Metro Distribution Warehouse or Sobeys yeah. Distribution Warehouse? A bunch of fucking truckers driving trucks that burn yeah. diesel fuel, right? Yeah. Like, exactly. Wake Every, the everything, fuck up. Absolutely everything you own, your house, the sticks that are in your walls, all of it is brought to you by truck. Your cell phone, the shirt on your back was brought by a truck. <laughs> so it's just absolutely ridiculous, man. It, it, it blows my mind how people, the way people think. And I don't blame them. I blame the the unelected elites i blame hollywood for their movies and their subliminal messaging and their programming and the and the news which is paid for that completely brainwash people you know it's not it's not their fault that they are that way but it is their fault that they're not getting out of that that way no, of thinking no, 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 with, no. With, the, with all the evidence with all the evidence that's out there now you're still thinking that way that's what blows me away that's where i'm like okay you're you're an idiot well, like I say, I people are allowed to be idiots and believe what they want. Um, I'm willing to extend that to them. Unfortunately, they're not willing to extend that to us for having these little things yeah. called principles. Okay, yeah. so George, yeah. so um, your, your lawyer tells you to cop a plea deal or just accept guilt on one of those charges. Um, yeah. And then there's the famous video. So... Uh, how did you manage to get all your supporters rallying for you before coming out of jail? Well, I was allowed phone calls inside, right? Um, you could use the phones as long as you had money to pay for it. You had money on your phone, then you could phone uh, from, a, from I think it was uh, 10 in the morning till 10 at night or something. You could phone as many times as you want. So I had people on the outside that knew, that knew kind of what was going on, but we couldn't spill the beans totally. But I mean... And they knew that that day was 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 my day, so people just knew that to be there in support, whether I got out or not, kind of thing, right? And you know, I had this shirt on when I come out, and once I come out, I was actually sitting in a room after the verdict was was done, and and even that judge said, I can tell Mr. Billings is really firm in his stance and what he believes in, judging by that shirt he's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and my pants wouldn't fit anymore. I gained 40 pounds in four months. Oh my God. I had to, uh, the buttons were off, <laughs> but so I come out and I'm walking. To, I, I'm in, no, I'm in that room. And the one guard comes up and he's like, Hey, I'm going to rush your paperwork for you right now. Can you get those people away from the front door, please? <laughs> and I'm like, if you rush my paperwork and get me out of here, I'll definitely get them away from the front door. Right. So when I was coming down, everybody was seeing me and, uh, person was on the inside passed me that Canada flag and I walked out screaming freedom and uh, my freedom yell is is quite uh, quite popular nobody nobody screams it like me or can scream it for as long as me I did it for weeks I kept my voice I mean I, I just designed for it and uh, you know I come out and right in that this in that video in the Canada flag you can see my fear God not COVID right in the middle of that if you, there's pictures of it out there and and I did walk away, and I got people away from the the front door, and uh, yeah, it was it was nice. It was overwhelming to see all those people, but at the same time, like I had to get out of there. 
I just got out of jail and, you know, I did what I could and talked to as many people and then got on the move and just basically got out of Ottawa. You know, I, I was scared that they were going to trump up some more charges or something, you know, and throw you back in again. At this point, you're like, what? Like, they're going to do anything, right? So just get me out of here, get me to a safe place. And, and uh, so we got to my friend's place uh, and he, he had had my, my pickup, my freedom truck, because they didn't get my truck. So he had had it and he had to do a bunch of repairs to the front end of my truck for me because we were over curbs into parking lots over meridians like thank god i had my chevy over there because she took a shit kicking and he fixed it up for me to make it roadworthy to come home and uh that first night i couldn't sleep because i was so used to and conditioned to sleeping with all these people inside jail i in the silence and in a comfortable bed and stuff i couldn't sleep i never slept all night oh wow so it was a learning uh, dealing with the trauma and stuff and, and what they did, I guess. And your, your brain is, your brain is just racing in that. So, and that was it. Then we drove back across the country and, uh, I had lots of stops on the way home. People wanted to see me and talk to me and stuff. So, you know, we traveled and stopped and stayed here and stayed there and, and the support was overwhelming. I got home here and, uh, and there was lots of people here too, you know, in my hometown waiting for me to return so it was uh but it's it still it still works me up even just talking about it i have i have my book that i wrote that i did that journaled and uh you know so i can always remember but it's uh it's still hard i missed i missed my daughter's grad they made sure that pat and i missed our kids grads we both had kids graduating they made sure that my my uh my release was after that graduation was over my lawyer could not get it before that no oh, way no how i mean again it's 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 all punishment right so like look what just yeah. happened with chris carbert so carbert's one of the coots four guys he launches an application for bail again and the courts allow the application to go through and then all the paperwork goes on and what do they do they announce a court date to review the bail application on december 20th so they dangle it in front of them like a fucking piece of cheese in front of a mouse, right? Hey, you just might get out for Christmas. Then he goes to court on December 20th. They put it off till the, after Christmas. Then the next yeah. court date, they put it off till January. And then they put it off again. And then January 15th, they're like, nope, you're not getting out. Yeah, because uh, you we can't let let him out because we don't want to lose the the trust of the the public or something like that. that was Excuse the... me. We don't trust you already. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you don't have to trust. But again, it's a liberal appointed judge that and she has donated multiple multiple times, I think like 26 times yeah. to the liberal party. Yeah, well, this is the thing, bro. Reason. 76% of the judiciary in Canada Right, so that's seventy-six percent of all the judges in Canada. All of them, three quarters of them, yeah. don't donors to and members of the Liberal Party of Canada. Right? Yeah, they're doing what they're told, and and on yeah. a case a case like this where you rule against the government, your career as a judge ends there. Like if this if this Court of King's Bench lady Jonna Kubik 
had let these guys out on bail, they can fundraise for their defense. They can call bullshit on everything the media says. They can have they can have events. They can do social stuff. They can defend themselves. Yeah. Right? The government can't have these guys defending themselves because then that calls into question the entire judgment on the Emergencies Act from the POEC. Then it makes Trudeau look even worse than he already does because he still has for all of like the Zexy Lees and his supporters. He can always say, well, we had this situation in Coots with all these guys with guns and I was legitimate in making that action. Whether or not it's true, whether or not they were set up, whether or not they got thrown under the bus by these other guys at Coots, whether or not any of the evidence is true, doesn't matter. Trudeau got his fucking ruling out of Justice Rouleau, and that's how it has to stay. And to hell with these four men and their families, right? That's what's going on here. Yeah, exactly. 110%, bud. And murderers, rapists, all these other people are getting let out. They're getting their bail. They're getting this release program that they've come up with or whatever. And, you know, like, it's just, it's absolutely tyranny. It, no, it's 100% political prisoners. They're doing it on purpose, and they're breaking the law doing it, you know, which they've been doing it ever since 2020, well, before even. But, I mean, they don't care about any of us. They're making examples out of these guys to scare everyone else from doing something like that again, you know, and 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 it's working. In, in my eyes, people are people are scared, especially like in Canada. They're not standing up like they are in Germany or anything right now. But we are always six to eight months behind, you know, the European countries. So um, eventually you're going to have to stand up the same way here. And the farmers are doing great things over there in multiple countries right now. But they're just not going to let these boys out. You know, they're, they're talking about the 30 months or whatever. The Jordan, the Jordan, rule. Jordan Act? It's Jordan called, the, rule. It's, it's called yeah. the Jordan ruling, which was a Supreme Court of Canada ruling that uh, addresses this question of like, how long is too long for a, a, a trial to get underway? You know, because there's the whole concept of having a speedy trial and, you know, uh, justice delayed is justice denied and all that, which seems to have gone out the window. And, you know, I, 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 I'm starting to believe that like it might get drawn out to the Jordan thing because they don't have any evidence. And, you know, I think, once we stir the pot enough and like things are happening, things are in motion. Well, they will be, by the time this podcast comes out, things will have been in motion that you're going to see and they're going to be embarrassed and they're going to be, um, there's going to be, there's going to be a, uh, you know, as Jim Leahy from the trailer park boys, uh, peace be upon him used to say, you know, the shit winds are blowing and, yeah. Um, they're going to end up dragging it out to the Jordan limit because they've got nothing and it's going to be embarrassing for them if this goes to trial and they lose. So exactly. um, I'm, I'm somewhat, you know, I could be wrong, but it, it seems quite likely to me that they'll drag it out. The, their charges will all be stayed. The four men will be let out, but there will be no accountability. The government will just wash their hands of it and yeah. no, no one's guilty. No one's um, proven innocent, and the government can just say, "Ah, oh, we're done here," right? And they'll get yeah, away with it. We're dropping, we're dropping the charges. 
after they stay it for so long or whatever. It's hard to say, but I mean, my prediction is the same as yours when it comes to that, for sure. And just the fact that, like, you guys got to understand too, these guys are in like remand centers. They're not in a penitentiary. No, they so don't. They, they don't. They, they don't have they, the same. They they do not have the same rights and privileges that convicted felons have. No, that's right. And you know that that's the same as where where I was too. It's not the same. You don't get to 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 order your own food. You don't get to have, wear your own clothes and stuff like you do in actual jail. These are these are remand centers where you're where you're you're you're, you're supposed to be just held there until you're processed, and then you move on to the jail. And they're not getting that. So like when there's Basically, you guys got. You also understand, like you're supposed to be getting yard time. That's the law. They never did it to me. They never gave us ours neither. Very sporadic and and not often. You're supposed to get so much time out of your cell per day by law. They're not doing it. So you imagine being stuck in a uh, six by twelve cell, twenty three hours a day, sometimes for days on end. Right. Yeah. They're no. 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 They, they they they're... they've put a couple of the goods guys in solitary for stretches of like forty days. Yeah, that, that's basically what it is, anyways. You know, <laughs> it's it, it, it's crazy, and it and it wears you down. You're stuck in that little cell. So it's good to hear, you know, that the Tony is doing really well. I don't hear. I see the other guys posts and stuff, and uh, you know they're doing as well as possible. They're keeping their spirits up. Um, I just wish they they would. Uh, listen to a little bit less of the noise on the outside but and 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 not make certain posts yeah. on their pages you know no, that, I, I think they're, uh, you're you're only getting you're in an echo chamber and you're only getting one side of the story yeah. you don't actually know yeah, yeah so, no i um, you know it's I, causing I, causing more grief yeah it it is it really is and um yeah you can tell well this is part of the deal right like um the the punishment is like it, it gets to your head in a way. And like, I, I don't want to like make a judgment or make any guesses about their psychological condition, but like, it doesn't take much to imagine that like their heads are not in a state to be cognizant and aware of like all of these uh, social yeah. media, bad actors out there um, that are, you know, in the end doing things that are just basically counterproductive. And I'll leave it at that. But anyway, as I said, the shit winds are blowing and the cavalry's on its way. Um, We're recording this before that happens. And um, this, this, this recording will come out and it'll be a whole different ball game with the coots guys. So stay tuned. That's right. We'll just keep pushing forward. Stay positive. God wins. We did. We have to go through all these steps. We have to go through this for humanity to wake up. I've said it many times. Unfortunately, it's got to get bad before it gets better for certain people to snap out of it. Like a lot, a lot of people still to this day don't even know. I'm a truck driver. I'm hauling natural gas, keeping us warm. And I talk to truckers out there all the time at the unloads and load stations and stuff. And some of them don't even know what the WEF is. Seriously. So I, I drop a bunch of information on them. Those poor guys, if they do go home and go Google, they're probably just losing their minds, <laughs> you know. But it, it's the way it is. They, and the censorship and all that jazz, you know, they're, they're not seeing it. And a lot of people just don't care until it affects them. They don't believe it until it affects them. And that's when they that's when they start researching. And that's when they go, start going down that rabbit hole. And when you when you do that, 
it's uh you gotta let people everybody is in a different spot that they're awakening is what i say right there's still people that like to wave their flags on the bridges and and you know and go to these rallies and stuff like that that are just waking up that's new to them they're getting out there so I, I encourage people not to, you know, people like me and yourself and many others, we don't, we'll go to some of those, but that's not our focus anymore, right? But I see people that are in our position bashing those people for doing nothing and that's a waste of time. And wait a minute, you were there too at one time, right? So it's all part of the process for everybody and everybody's in a different spot. Everybody has a different uh, purpose in what's going on. Right. So just stay stay positive and be humble. Be nice. You don't know what people are going through. No. You don't know what's right. happened to them. Some of some of these people lost seven, six, five family members because they all took the experimental freaking jab. Right? So they're losing their shit. You know, and and they're waking up at the same time because they lost that. So yeah. And a lot of people are pretending it's not happening. And, you know, the the, yeah. the, the the psyops are plentiful and it's hard for people. And I get it. And you're right. The best thing to do is be nice, be humble, lead by example. Um, you know, I wasn't very nice a couple of times in this show. I got a little bit yappy, but. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, That's we, okay. Those people don't deserve us to be nice to them. They haven't uh, been nice to us. Well, and they have time. Especially Trudeau. They, they have time. There, there, there is time to repent and discover the error of your ways and choose a different path, even for Justin Trudeau. Yeah. Yeah. So, you bet. Anyways, Freedom George, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really glad to introduce you to the audience. I, I remember yeah. uh, before my Twitter account was suspended, um, I got a bunch of homies down here in the U.S. who are all supporters of the Freedom Convoy a lot of working class dudes that like get it. And when your video came out of you coming out of that courthouse, like it went viral um, <laughs> yeah. in, in, in certain corners of Twitter down here. And a bunch of my boys were like, Chud stay winning. You know, like they loved it. They're, yeah. they're, they're going to love hearing from you, man. You're, you're going to be the voice they can attach to this awesome video they saw. And I'm really glad you yeah. could join us. You betcha. And if you do have social media, I'm Freedom George on Facebook. That's basically the one platform that I that I use the most. I kind of check in on other ones, but Freedom George on Facebook. So also Freedom for Us All on Facebook. That was when I had started uh, you know, in, in my awakening. That's that's where that came from. Freedom for us all. So right. or maybe maybe yeah, they'll see yeah. you uh maybe they'll see a haul of natural gas on the highways and byways of northern Alberta. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you bet. Exactly. Yeah. So just stay humble out there, guys. Stay nice. And you know, we got this. We just have to, we have to do it. We have to we have to go through this this process. So all right, right on. Thanks again, George. And um way of the road. You betcha, brother. Thank you. Freedom. Let's go, let's go, let's go. 